BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy last year by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview Great Falls offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity. What's out there is unknown. So at UC San Diego, out we go. Because to take on the challenges of the here and now, you got to get your feet wet, your eyes open, and your mind out there. Way out there. Turning the unknown into cures, culture, and connections with each step forward. So pack a bag, a notebook, and some sandals and get ready to look far and think further. UC San Diego. Learn more at UCSD.edu. If you're ready for an epic family vacation, there's no better place than sunny Orlando. Exciting thrills, never-ending food festivals, fresh new dining experiences, outdoor adventures, and Florida's natural springs, and so much more. Orlando has it all. And Visit Orlando's vacation planners can help you plan the perfect trip. In Orlando, anything is possible, if you can imagine it. And that's what makes Orlando unbelievably real. Plan your escape today and save at visitorlando.com. Hey, and welcome to What Future? I'm your host, Joshua Topolsky. And today on the podcast, boy, have we got one for you. Boy, oh boy. I'm very excited because uh, I have been thinking a lot about reality and how terrible it is and how I'd like to escape it. I I feel like I'm not giving reality a good, a fair shake. The truth is reality is actually pretty excellent unless you read the news. I don't recommend that. But there has been a lot of talk recently about a new Apple product that is coming out, which is supposedly going to be a headset, a thing you wear on your face that does virtual reality and augmented reality and supposedly will have a screen that shows your eyeballs on it when you're using it, which sounds very normal and not dystopian at all. And I'm sure lots of people will really enjoy that. Anyhow, there has been a ton of great writing done by Mark Gurman at Bloomberg. I am a huge fan of his and we've got him on the show today to get into the guts of the Apple headset and all of what the company's working on around that. So let's get into this conversation because I have got a lot to say. You are like probably at the top of the pyramid of Apple scoopers. Like you have more inside info on this company than I think anybody has ever had. In my experience, and I've been reading, as you as you well know, I've been reading and writing about this shit for a long time. 
you are consistently 100% correct with them, which is, or like 90% correct with them, which is very rare. So first I want to say kudos to you for being some kind of Apple ninja. It's a very strange situation, but I, I applaud you. Thank you. But the, the reason I want to talk to you is because we are on the precipice, uh, supposedly, as so you claim, <laughs> on the precipice of Apple releasing a mixed reality headset. It does VR and AR. Correct me. Stop me if any of this sounds incorrect, okay? They've been working on this headset. It's a thing you wear on your face. You wear over your eyes. It does VR. It does AR. It is a product that you claim that Apple is going to announce. Tim Cook is going to announce on stage at WWDC on June. Is it 5th? Is that the date? Yeah. June 5th, Monday, June 5th. Literally like next week, right? Yes. Just give us the quick, like, where where did this come from? Because I have a lot of questions about it. Yes. We just share whatever you think is like a good setup for this thing. They kicked off after the Apple Watch came out in 2015. They were sort of looking for their next idea, right? The hardware engineering group hired a guy named Mike Rockwell, who was the CTO of Dolby. And before that was the CTO of Avid. Super into displays, super into VR, uh, super into high quality audio. They hired Tom Holmanson, who was the creator of THX, uh, which is the studio behind the audio from Star Wars, which is, as everyone knows, one of the paramount reasons people love Star Wars is because of the the soundtrack, Right. right? And so this is a music expert. And Apple's design team at the same time was looking at virtual reality, augmented reality, head-worn devices. And, you know, one thing led to another. They came together and they started working on this device. They did many explorations around use cases. They used uh, Samsung Gear VRs. They used HTC Vives. They used every nascent VR headset that was available eight years ago to run demos on, demo to Tim Cook, the executive team, the board of directors. Right. Eight years ago, they started working on this. This is eight years ago, right? And you remember when Steve Jobs announced the original iPhone, he said, this is a day I've been looking forward to for two and a half years, right? Right. You remember when the Apple Watch was announced, they said that was about a two, three year development process. Right. We're talking seven, eight years here. Now, there's more to it, but, you know, that's a long development process. I mean, here's what I'll say. I mean, I want to hear all this backstory, but like, I mean, I'm a little bit in disbelief. Like if you're and by the way, your scoop record, as I said, at the top of this is very good. So, you know, it's rare that you write something and with this much detail, like look at the the background here that you're sharing and the stuff that you shared in your stories on Bloomberg. Right. And I tweeted about this. I was ta- and a lot of people responded to it. This feels like the most unlike Apple thing that I've ever heard of. It's like the development process, the infighting you, you wrote about the infighting there. The fact that this is a device that sits on your face. Apple often comes into a market and like, it's like there's a little bit of a market and they blow it up and they turn it into a huge market. I don't even know if there is a market for this in a widespread way because like getting people to wear anything on their face is difficult. People get laser surgery on their eyes right. to avoid wearing glasses, right? And I like glasses. Like I'm well, a glass Here's what I'll wearer. tell yeah. you. So a few years ago, they were trying to figure out how they can get the weight down right in the device and the overall size. So you're kind of screw with your glasses, my friend, because you're not going to be able to wear those and the headset uh, together. Okay. I mean, that alone sounds okay. See everything you're saying, see when I hear this shit, what I think is, and this is why I'm so like, I wanted to talk to you because I, 
this just sounds like it's not going to happen. Well, there's going to be a prescription system where you pay uh, a couple hundred okay. bucks and you'll okay, be able to send on. them your prescription. Does that sound like something Apple would do? Like, does it actually? Ye- it does. Okay. That specific feature? Yeah. Yes. But if you're asking about this device in general, the answer would be no. This is definitely the new Apple, so to speak, right? Right. This is, they're trying something new. You know, depending on who you talk to there, there's mixed confidence in how this thing is going to do. But I think the through line, what most people at the company, the decision makers have understood is that this thing is going to start off remarkably slow. I think Mm. even maybe slower than the Apple Watch, right? Actually, probably much slower than the Apple Watch. I I would imagine it's going to be expensive too, right? It's not cheap. It's going to be expensive. It's going to be roughly $3,000. Uh, dollars. So yeah. I would say anywhere from the high twos to the low threes. Now that's pretty, you know, eye melting. But if you look at the XR market in general, they're probably in the Hololens to Magic Leap price range. Yeah, we know Magic those Leap. two devices failed. But but I was gonna say Magic Leap is like a they'll teach the story of Magic Leap in business classes about like this vaporware company, right? Like Magic Leap was a company that was making a headset that people were like, this is like magic literally when you put it on you're transported it can do anything it's the it's the be all end all it's the next iphone whatever and then the company just has fizzled out like they've never been able to ship right any real meaningful product certainly not a consumer facing product right hololens that's microsoft's entrant right which was a mixed reality i mean i think they basically wanted to target enterprise right it was like a a business a lab maybe like a, a warehouse type of device you might use like for some ar assisted stuff that's also kind of fizzled, right? It has, but Apple's going to shoehorn this thing into working out. I mean, I'm, I, that's my my belief. <laughs> you think this is, not only that this is going to happen for real, you believe that, that they're going to announce this product. I'm in trouble if they don't, but yes. Right, of course, yes. But I mean, you know, listen, it, it, the way you write it though, this is the kind of product that they could get very close to and then look at it do the demo and say, you know what? Like it's not there yet. Right. Like that, that has happened. Well, back to the, like the more comparing the, the timelines on development processes, three years for the previous two products and then eight years for this. Let's see, this has been delayed three or four times. The original, right. original, original pipe dream was 2020. Obviously that got pushed to 21, then 22 and then 23. <laughs> they were going to announce it in January. Then they were going to announce it in the spring. Right. And here we are, WWDC. It's it's locked. It's it, it's locked and loaded at this point. Right. Um, I don't see any way around that. Can you describe it like physically? Do you know? Have you seen it? Have you tried it? I have not tried it. I've tried the Quest Three, but I have not tried this one. Okay, but the Quest Three is not. We're not talking. That's not in the same ballpark. No, as, I know. Yeah. As this, right? No. So you wrote about it having an external battery pack. First off, that is that staying. Yeah, you know, like the uh, MagSafe battery, like they started selling a few years that you can put on the back of the iPhone, uh, Anchor, a few other companies sell that. Yeah. It looks like that, about bigger. It's about the size of an iPhone. Right. And you uh, connect it over a cable. The cable is lodged into the battery pack. You plug it into the headset and it goes over a wire. Uh-huh. And the two considerations there were safety and weight. Obviously, with a product like this, you want it as portable as possible and as light as possible right and getting the battery out of there was a uh, a big help and my thinking is even though they wanted to get the battery in there initially and even though for these types of products you do want the battery to eventually be in the in the frame itself 
remember the Apple Watch? They launched with one day of battery life, and mm-hmm. the initial speculation was, oh, over time, they're going to increase the battery life. Now, sure, 10 years later, we got the Apple Watch Ultra. Yeah, it's only a little bit increased. <laughs> it's like right. two, three days instead of one. It's not that great. That's right. But in what they did, they had two options, right? They had, let's add to the battery life, or let's add more and more power and functionality without reducing the battery life. Right. Right. And they've done that with the iPad as well. Obviously, the iPhone's a bit different. They had to go in a situation where they had to increase the performance and increase battery life. Right. But I think the headset were probably locked into this external battery situation for years to come. And the idea is people are going to be okay with that. Let's add more performance rather than sort of taper it down and get the battery back inside. Uh, I want to talk about the naming thing for a minute, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Please do. Please do. So they've trademarked quite a few names, right? So they trademarked the name Reality One. They trademarked the name Reality Pro. They've trademarked a few potential operating system names. They've trademarked the name Reality OS. They've trademarked the name XROS. They've trademarked the name Reality Pro OS and XR Pro OS, right? Right. Here's what I can tell you for fact, right? For fact, the OS itself is going to be called XR OS, right? They were originally going to call it Reality OS. It was sort of the working title, uh, so to speak. It was your This Is My Next before The Uh, Verge, right? (laughs) We don't know yet. Yeah. Right. So it was going to be Reality OS. And then last year... Uh, they moved from the working title to the real name, which is XR OS. Right. Now, I think there are a couple of reasons for that. One, I think the word reality probably doesn't translate so cleanly uh, internationally, mm. right? Mm-hmm. But I think it's a more understandable term, at least in the English language, than XR. Right. Yeah. XR sounds like a motorcycle. Right. But it also sounds a little bit more high tech, Mm -hmm. right? And Apple's tries to sort of bridge that idea of mixing tech with, you know, mass understanding. So it's a little odd there. Mm -hmm. Uh, But this is a highly technical product. And I think it's initially going to appeal to a very niche audience. So perhaps it makes sense. What they really are trying to do is sort of, in their minds, create this XR mixed reality market. And so it would help them own that market from a marketing standpoint, the XR market. But back to the naming conventions. So they went from Reality OS, right, to XROS. And if you have an operating system called Reality OS, the logic would be that the device itself would be called the Reality, right, or the Reality Pro, mm. just like the iPad runs iPad OS, the Watch, mm-hmm. Watch OS, TV, TV OS, etc. Right. They've switched to XROS on the operating system name. Does that mean the device is called the XR Pro? Right. Running XROS? Yeah. Does it make sense to have a Reality Pro running XROS? Or does it make more sense to have an XR Pro running right. XROS? Would Apple release a product called the XR Pro? Like, the mass consumer is not going to know what XR Pro means, right? And yeah. so, those are the questions I'd like to see answered, which will obviously be answered uh, at WWDC. Right. So that's what's been on my mind lately. I mean, that's interesting. Uh, XR is, I mean, presumably that means mixed reality, right? Is that what we're supposed right. to be? XR is... Cr- or I mean, X as usually not used in mixed, but crossed reality, mixed reality, whatever. Let's call right. it. Um, that makes sense in a global way of describing it, right? Like a, for the for the format. Forget about whether they call it reality or XR. Look, I've seen a lot of really impressive demos of of mixed reality, and I'm sure you have as well. I've seen a lot of, and no no doubt Apple can do this better than anybody. Like I'm not questioning that they can't execute something that's a better product, right? We know that they can. They can take a smartphone, you've seen a million of them and they can make it something really special and really like cohesive. 
What I wonder though, and what's sort of not in your, in that bigger piece is a question about the consumer aspect of it, the relationship to consumer desire. Listen, as a guy who's tried all of the VR headsets, was unbelievably excited about Oculus when they first appeared, was like the biggest fan in the world. I've dreamed of VR my whole life. Like all of the experiences have, not only have they been like ultimately sort of they're impressive, but disappointing in, in the long run. What I found is like, oh, wearing this thing on my head and being removed from reality and having these experiences, it's a very kind of like singular private experience that you can only do once in a while. And I'm a nerd. Okay. Remember, I'm one of the biggest fucking nerds in the world. <laughs> they also make me motion sick. Okay. Like those experiences. I have make that me, problem. Right? I don't want to get too TMI, but the first time I tried the quest, this was the original quest. I had lunch before using it. It wasn't so pretty. And so Oh my God. You really got to get the IPD correct, right? The pupil distance. Right. You have to the latency has to be, but even then I don't know that like you still are are, ch are challenged by lots of different things. But so this is the thing. Like I understand consumers wear watches, yeah. right? Like I can make an I can hear the argument at Apple like, hey, they wear these things on their wrists, right? Maybe more people would wear it if we could give them a reason to put it on. You know, there's already health trackers. We know that's a big market. We could bite into that market. There's already a watch market. That's a big market. We know we could bite into that market. Maybe not everybody wants to wear the Apple watch, but we can bring people around over time. And they certainly did. Like, I'm one of those people who's like, I don't want, I don't need it. And then I was like, wow, I, I love wearing I, it. I was the same. I could believe it or not. I didn't wear an Apple watch until the series five. Yeah. I mean, so I, I tried a couple of them and I was like, it's not for me. I wore regular analog watches. And then like the last couple of years, I was started wearing a Garmin for exercise. And I was like, oh, when the ultra came out, I was like, okay, this is like actually what I want. Yeah. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey guys, it's Rich Davis from Covino and Rich here to tell you the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer. Making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance or any terrain from the road to the trails. And with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew could stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers. And with available features like the panoramic moonroof, you could sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with the whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter what your style, you could drive efficiently and save on gas. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Your tax refund belongs to you, not an identity thief. Over $6 billion in tax refunds were flagged by the IRS for possible identity theft in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. LifeLock monitors and alerts you to identity threats you may miss on your own, even if you're careful with your personal information. And if you do become the victim of tax-related identity fraud, LifeLock has U.S.-based restoration specialists ready to help solve your identity theft issues. 
Plus, all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package, meaning LifeLock will reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Let LifeLock help you protect your financial information so all you have to worry about is what to do with your tax refund. Go to LifeLock.com news and save up to 25% your first year. That's 25% off at LifeLock.com news. Identity theft protection starts here. AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry, and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? It's time to upgrade to the next generation of the cloud, Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, or OCI. OCI is a single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. OCI has four to eight times the bandwidth of other clouds, offers one consistent price instead of variable regional pricing, and of course, nobody does data better than Oracle. So now you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. If you want to do more and spend less, like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, Take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com slash strategic. That's oracle.com slash strategic. Oracle.com slash strategic. But here's the thing. I am not hearing or seeing, and I say this as a person who would love to see a, a real broad consumer use case. I feel like when you write about it, it feels like this product from that era that you describe is like the, which where the HTC is getting into it and Quest is coming, you know, Meta it buys uh, Oculus and they start doing Quest. And again, I get it. Samsung was trying to v- do VR stuff. It's like many, many years ago. This feels like a product from a, from a time when the excitement around that still seemed new and, ex- and like possible. Right. I don't think consumers have embraced these products and even want them. And I, and so what, what is Apple saying internally or what are they, how are they testing internally? I know they're like, the consumer doesn't know what it wants or whatever, but can you give me some color on like what's going on with their relationship to a consumer audience for this? Yeah. I mean, that is a good question. You know, if you pull a hundred people on the street to ask them if this is something that they're going to use on a daily basis, the number is going to probably be incredibly small. Right. What I think is that they see this as a very, very long-term thing, like 10 years long-term and one thing I believe they're going to try to do is position it as, quote, the future of the computer. I think they see this as something that's a Mac replacement mm. or an iPad replacement. So maybe five years from now, you won't own a Mac. You'll own a, a headset instead. Right. I say that as being around long enough to know how many people were saying that about the iPad. Uh, and I know very few people personally who've transitioned from an, from a Mac to an iPad fully. Yeah. I will say there are millions of people who have, right? Sure. So don't get me wrong, Yeah. but I think it's going to play out similarly to that. I mean, the best estimates that I'm hearing or the most optimistic estimates I'm hearing is this bringing in about 25 billion a year in revenue that puts it on par with the iPad and the Apple watch. And right. Which is not nothing. It's not nothing for Apple to show growth. That's good enough. Right. They're going to make a big return on this investment within a few years. They're going to become the market leader in XR in terms of unit sales and revenue, probably within six months or revenue within six months. Right. 
uh, unit sales probably not as quickly. So, you know, from a market standpoint, it's going to be a success out of the gate. Yeah. From an Apple standpoint, it's going to be a flop out of the gate, I think, <laughs> but eventually be hugely successful. Like, I really believe in this long term. You do. Because of the investment. Yeah, I do. Because Apple's not going to give up on this, right? Even if it takes five, 10 years, right. they're going to shoehorn this thing well, till it works out. You know, the price is going to come down eventually too. You're going to get new features like cellular. There are going to be big enough improvements and a big marketing budget behind it to get people interested in this. Right. They're going to make a whole big deal about this thing in Apple retail stores. It's going to drive foot traffic. They're going to try selling other products to people who are just coming in to try this thing on. Right. It'll be a big marketing exercise. A lot of accessories, I'm sure. A yeah. lot of accessories. Right. So like everything you're describing sounds very Apple. Right. And I think like the long, the long play is possible, right? They definitely like the, I mean, the iPad's a good example of something that has never found a perfect home, but definitely has, there's a big market for it. And they've created that market really for tablets. Right. Right. And, and I think you're right. Like I, I've, I've grown to become an iPad user. And, and in fact, they just released some great stuff like logic, the music software that has been a uh, Mac only for a really long time. They you just were a released. music guy before yeah. all this, right? I used to produce music. Right. I'm curious what you think. I, well, I'll tell you what I think. I think it's fucking amazing. I, and I have been sitting on my iPad at night, like in my downtime, making music in logic now there's some stuff that's like a little bit janky because it's like the ipad the way it works is just weird for things where you need lots of windows like it just doesn't want to do that but like in terms of a tool it's like unbelievably powerful and really really good for what it like what you want it to be and i think it's going to work in the headset i think that app will run in the headset so that sounds like a super fun like I can see, like, listen, I mean, Jaron Lanier, who is the guy who basically invented VR, who's written about technology for years, for decades and decades. He's really like become like a philosopher when it comes to this technology. Originally, you know, kind of created VR for this purpose of working in a larger space. Like he was dealing with these really large numbers that you couldn't look at on a monitor. So I see the commercial applications there, right? I can see like there's going to be places, like I said, where HoloLens was maybe targeting or where Magic Leap hoped to target, where I can see more of a retail or commercial application. What's so weird to me, though, is if you look at the landscape of, of today, right? So peak COVID, I see this as being a really attractive product, right? Like when we were had peak right. COVID, when everybody was at home, we had lockdowns, we had like, everybody was scared to kind of go out and socialize. Like, I think that's when, you know, that's when Facebook tried to kind of capture with their metaverse bullshit, they kind of tried to capture this moment of like, hey, we're going to all move to this different kind of like way of communicating and computing and working and blah, blah, blah. But I feel like if you look at the hit rate now, again, and maybe this Apple sees that as an, a market opportunity, it feels like such an off key entry. Like we've seen so many versions of this that have been really rejected. And in fact, like none surprisingly, but Facebook's huge pivot was basically rejected as this concept of the metaverse and being more like what I see from society. And frankly, what Tim Cook has actually said at many intervals on stage is like people want less of this, like of this stuff in their life. They want to be less immersed in technology. When they talked about the watch, they were like, we want you to be less distracted by your phone and you can get up on your, you know, do your thing. You can just glance at your watch and all this it just feels like it flies in the face of, and Tim Cook was a big part of this, right? Like he pushed this, this is like his product in some way. He wanted this to happen. I mean, he runs the company. This doesn't feel like it flies in the face of everything that, that like the industry has told us and that consumers have told us about this. Yes. But I think one of the most fundamental aspects from early on in development uh, was how you make VR socially acceptable 
and how you take people in VR without removing them from the real world. And there's a few tricks they have up their sleeve uh, on that. One is this external display that they've been working on from the very beginning for the headset, where it's essentially you can see you have this front OLED display and you see the the person's eyes who's wearing it. And so like, it's sort of like they're there or not there. Yeah. I mean, this sounds insane, right? Like just hearing you describe that you're saying that on the outside of the, these will be basically look like ski goggles, right? Right. This device is something like that. You're saying on the outside surface of it, is it covering the whole surface of the outside? The screen? Do you know the screen? A portion of it. Yeah. Where your eyes would be. And you can, you know, you're moving your eyes and you can, you know, you're blinking. And and so there's cameras inside of the, there's some kind of camera inside of the goggles that are tracking your eye movements. Yeah. Yeah. Eye tracking. Right. And so then it's showing people on the outside. So do they think that you'd be walking around in public wearing this headset? There was a demo internally, and not only that, that you would wear it to a party, which I think is ridiculous. But I mean, this is the thing. Like, think about a bunch of people at a party wearing these things on their face and and try to imagine a desire there. I would leave. No, I'm kidding. Right. No, you probably would. I mean, if you didn't have one, you certainly would leave. Right. That's the point. Right. Right? I don't know. They're going to they're going to try to make this socially acceptable. The other thing they've done from a technology standpoint, it is a it's a VR headset. But they've shoehorned AR into there as a very core component of it because you have these dozen external cameras and you have the crown on the Apple Watch. You have a bigger version of that on the okay. headset. You right. Flick so it's, it like the, it's, it's like the headphones. I have the big, yeah, the big it's like uh, the Apple. They have that big crown on them to, to adjust volume and stuff. Right. right. So it's like going between VR and AR mode. Right. And so you are seeing. Right. Oh, you can dial it. You can dial it to, to by degrees in and out. Oh, is that the that idea? I don't know. I was described to me as on or off. Oh, really? Okay. Because I was thinking like, actually, it's a cool idea if you could go like, I want like 60%, you know, virtual reality and 40%, you know, real or whatever. I don't know. Just that I don't know. That actually would make sense. I mean, it's a dial. So it's just my thought. Yeah. Well, that too, but also the idea of XR being a spectrum, as much VR as you want or as much AR as you want, that would make a lot of sense to me too. Right. Uh, I think most people will probably use it in VR mode, but you have the AR mode there too. Right. I think that it's going to be a really interesting differentiator from the competition. Like I was using the Quest 3 the other day. There's no dial to go in and out of you right. know, VR, AR. It's like a ascending. I mean, on the Quest, you can switch into a mode where... Into it, a pass-through mode, but right, it's not as seamless yeah. as flicking no. a dial on the top of the headset. That's going to be something every headset maker is going to take, uh, you know, for forward. sure. And it would have to, I mean, presumably it would have to be able, like if they imagine people at a party with this, then the view it gives you has to be as like close to one-to-one of your vision as like you have when you're not wearing the headset. Right. Because like, otherwise you're going to be bumping into shit and like, you know, falling on things because like you need to be able to see, like imagine walking around and you don't have like perfect vision, like you can't see below you or whatever. Put it this way. I used the Quest 3. This was a prototype, by the way. This thing's not being announced for several months. I used the Quest 3 and it was pretty on point in terms of what you're describing, being able right. to walk and see what you're doing. That has two cameras. Okay. Right. This has a dozen? Roughly a dozen. So I would say anywhere between 10 to 14. Right. And so you're talking about three to five X performance of something that to me, uh, someone who uses this stuff was, was, was pretty damn good. Right. Talk about the meta product. And so this is going to be, this is going to be unbelievable. People who have demoed this thing, like it's rocked off their socks. I mean, they've been blown away. see, here's the thing. It's like, I believe that Apple can execute on something like this better than anybody. Like that's what I was saying earlier. Like 
the thing that just breaks my brain, I don't mean to keep coming back to it, but it's just like, I just like, I'm like, even in the best executed sense, there's so many things that are off-putting about this. And, and again, I say this as a des- person who desires to be able to have these experiences. Like, I think this is a cool technology that we haven't yet seen the end of, but right. I personally have gotten a little bit deflated in terms of like, what it can provide, not just because the experience has been bad or not as good as I would hope, but because societally, like culturally, I feel like we are all feeling really burnt on being inside the box, right? Being inside this this thing here that we're talking on and looking at this thing all day long, right? Being immersed has become a thing that I think for a lot of people I mean, listen, you're, you're much younger than me. I'm an old man now. I'll be dead at any day now. But, but you know, like having lived through the boom of this stuff of like the social media era and, and the phone era, I'm like, yeah, like I kind of want less of it. And Apple is saying, okay, but what if you put your entire fucking face inside of it all the time, right? That's kind of like their bet here, which seems weird to me. It's scary. It's scary. I mean, they do make these comments about, like you said, they want you to lose, use your devices less. They don't want you using these things. They don't want you to be addicted to them. But if people weren't addicted to them and using them as much as they did, they wouldn't be making, uh, they wouldn't be a $3 trillion company, right? So <laughs> right. there is some nuance right. there. Right. They want to toe that line. You know, what I heard from a few people is that at the get-go of this project, you know, Apple had serious reservations and considerations internally about creating a product that would run counter to this idea we're talking about, right? Right. They didn't want to create something that would uh, keep people out of the real world. And one idea that they came up with internally was this argument that if we don't do it and do it in a responsible way, this external display, the mixed reality focus, someone else will do it poorly and, you know, hurt society now <laughs> right that's that's an opinion it's a preventative right device. it's a preventative measure right <laughs> yeah yeah no yeah you buy it at walgreens no but that's one <laughs> end of the spectrum the other idea here is if apple doesn't do this amazon meta google someone else will come with a vr headset and destroy apple in that market right uh, like apple was hurting smart speakers and and, and voice assistants and such right the speaker thing I, th- I was thinking of when you were saying how they stick with stuff long term like they, yeah, they discontinue s- that after a year Right. There are places where Apple tries to fight and doesn't ever really gain a foothold or just for for whatever reason, they can't get the the fit. Right. Like there's something about uh, the market doesn't want their version of it. It's too, you know, so it's like well, I just they totally screwed up with the HomePod at the get go. Right. And if you think about, you know, it depends how you look at these things. If you consider the HomePod a major product category. That could have been in the same vein as, uh, you know, the iPhone, the iPod, right. uh, the iPad, the Mac, right? I consider it more in the accessories category, something akin to like an Apple TV yeah. or AirPods. It's smaller. It's smaller. They Okay, that was a five, six year development process also, mm. uh, because there were numerous times where they were thinking, let's not do it. Let's do it. They had many delays. They screwed up twofold. Pricing, 350 out the door. Right. Awful decision, right? Yep. Uh iPhone exclusive, Siri exclusive, no app integration, uh, no ecosystem. I mean, that was just. Are you describing? You're them. describing the headset right now. Oh well. High price point out of the gate. High price point out of the gate. It's definitely not going to work with anybody else's device, right? You're not going to be able to use an Android phone with this. It's not going to work with anyone else's device, but it is going to run a million iPad apps when you take it out of the box, and so right, right. they are not going to have a content issue. And from day one, they're going to have the biggest XR app ecosystem of any provider 
I, I got to tell you, I mean, I'm just, I was thinking through this. Like you mentioned that they were talking about doing logic. It's a studio app. It is something that people use in professional studios to produce music. Probably most of the music you listen to is either Pro Tools or Logic is where they people produce it. So you're saying they just brought it to the iPad. You're saying now they can take that and expand it to XR and create, presumably you're in the headset and you can see your score. You can see what you're working on from like the beginning of a 10 minute song to the end of it in one glance, right? All right, let me take a step back. First iPad launched, okay? Two options for apps, full scale iPad apps, iPhone app 2X mode run on the iPad, right? Right. And the iPhone only apps died pretty quickly because they were Uh, crappy. I don't like where this is going. It was a thing, (laughs) right? And so this is going to be a much better version of that. It'll run your iPad OS apps out of the box. Oh, but you're saying like it'll run a, a, you're saying it'll run a window. It'll run a window, right? (laughs) And then that's interesting. Right. But if the developer wants to create a native, native XR version of that app, they can do that also, right? Right. So it's like an operating system, literally, in the sense that I will be able to open and look at like multiple iPad apps running as I would see them or some variation of how I would see them on an iPad. Yes. Like in a in a windowed scenario, essentially, but then possibly like at a later date. Okay, so 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 I can. So that's really interesting. I mean, again, but here's the thing. What I was going to say is last night I was in my living room, I was messing around with logic. I had my headphones on and I had noise cancellation on, right? So I couldn't hear anything. That's just hearing. And my wife walked in the living room and, and I literally jumped because I didn't know she was there. And I looked up and there was like a person standing there and I fucking jumped, you know? And then I was like, okay, well, I can't sit in the room with her listening to my like logic project I'm working on while she's like trying to talk to me or we're like, you know, you know, it's going, Hey, we should watch a show or something like you can't be in a room with noise cancellation unless you expressly want to shut the world out. Right. Like I'm sure you've used noise cancellation on your, on your uh, AirPods and you know what I'm talking about. This is like noise cancellation for your fucking eyes. I assume additionally for your ears, right? Like, so I'm trying to imagine that same scenario, right? But like you're sitting in it, you're sitting in a room and you're doing something. You're totally isolated from people in that room. It's such a weird vulnerability that I just feel like, I don't know. Does Apple really think people want that? Like, do people want that? I guess. I don't know. I personally, you know, I'm a nerd like you. I'll be first in line, right? I yeah. cannot freaking wait to try. Oh, this I'll thing. buy it. it don't is. get me wrong. Yeah. I'm going to buy it and use it because I'm a total like, I'm going to, I'm a total freak for this shit. But like, right. but I have, I have quests and I have all kinds of other stuff. And, yeah. and, and, you know, I'm like it comes comes out occasionally, but it's just a very unusual experience. That's exactly right. My question is, is how long until this thing is charging on a daily basis on my desk rather than being used? How long right. till it turns into, uh, you know, something that just sits there and gathers dust? BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy last year by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey guys, it's Rich Davis from Covino and Rich here to tell you the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. 
Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance or any terrain from the road to the trails. And with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew could stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers. And with available features like the panoramic moonroof, you could sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with the whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter what your style, you could drive efficiently and save on gas. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview, Great Falls, offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Here's an interesting anecdote, and I think maybe speaks to this question about immersion. Yeah. I started to use my iPad more in the evenings when I wasn't working because I wanted to have an experience that made me less immersed in like the windowed noisiness of a of a laptop, right? Like right. on my laptop, I've got like Gmail open, I've got Twitter open, I've got all this shit, and everything's like pinging. And there's all this noise. And on an iPad, it's like very singular. Right. You're like, when I'm working on logic on the iPad, you know, I'm in like, do not disturb. And it's like, everything is gone. There's no other windows. There's no little pop-ups. It's like very, and you know, for even for browsing or watching shit on YouTube, I do like, I'll just go into that kind of like singular sort of focused zone. It's like a bigger workspace, but it's like less noisy and less immersive than being in a computer in the sense, you know, it will take time. I agree with you, but, um, I'm the opposite, by the way, I was a big iPad user until the, uh, M one computer started coming out Yeah, because the Intel machines were so crappy and slow and fans. I was like, <laughs> right. if I need to get anything, horrible done, battery, yeah, I need to use the iPad. Yeah. But since I've had this, uh, M one max, uh, MacBook pro, the iPad is not as useful because I actually can get stuff done on this now. So but I want to, I want to talk yeah. about actually like this brings us to an interesting point about all of this, which is like, th- th- we are very much in the Tim Cook era here. I mean, there's no question that um, we are deep in the Tim Cook era. He's not going to be CEO forever. Obviously he's not that old, but you know, there's going to be a CEO after Tim Cook. This could be his big like moment, right? The era of Tim Cook produced this product, but the era of Tim Cook has produced a lot of middling, just okay not that exciting me too products that feel like, you know, like, like Apple music is, it's fine. You know, it didn't change the world. It didn't destroy Spotify. It didn't, you know, it's, it didn't iTunes the situation, right? It wasn't like one day we're all got our Rios and then the next day nobody is using anything but iTunes. 
the lack of definition of this feels very of, of a type of Tim Cook sort of product. Not to say that that, and you mentioned this in your article that he's not a product guy. So, can you talk a little bit about how this is like a part of his legacy? If you know what type of legacy he would have, like in a post Tim Cook era. Well, I really think they see this as the third major new computing paradigm in, in Apple's history. Right, the first one uh, being the Mac. The second one really being the iPhone with the Apple Watch and the iPad as an extension of that. Like I would say, you know, the Mac is one, the iPhone is two, and the iPad and watch are 2A and 2B. Right. And then I really think this is number three, right? I think they really believe that the future of computing could be living in these mixed reality uh, environments. It's certainly more immersive. Hmm. It certainly brings a lot of power with it. Uh, there's a lot more flexibility in the types of apps you can use. There's a lot more ways that you can actually interact with your content, but it is so early stage one. I mean, it really, I think, could take 10 years to take off. And I think if they successfully create this XR market, because let's be honest, it's really nascent. It basically doesn't exist. And they take it into how people use computers in the future instead of laptops and desktops, right? Or instead of iPads and phones. I think that's a pretty cool legacy right it's also an extremely big bet because there is a very high chance that never happens and it doesn't work right. out on the other hand apple has so much market cachet and has so much money and so many resources that i think that this thing becoming a massive massive failure would not break the company but i think right. this being a right. big hit would do wonders for the company like it would change the the path of, of where they're focused, right? Like pretty much for the future. Right. It would, it would, it would change a lot. It would, it would change a lot. And so I think that is one aspect of it. Another part of it that I don't think people are talking about enough. And I've tried to flick at this through my articles and in this conversation is the app situation, right? I think the idea is that the, the Apple user of Tim Cook's dream has all of these products, the phone, the watch, the iPad, uh, the Mac, et cetera. Right. Right. The headset. And, you have one app that can run across the ecosystem. So whatever Apple device you're on, you can run any app you, you have in a different form. You can run Logic on your Mac. You right. can run Logic on your iPad. You can run Logic on your headset. You can iMessage from your watch, yeah. from your headset, your phone, whatever. And it all just integrates together. And that's their biggest That's their biggest asset when you get down right. to it. Like, obviously, the hardware, the software, the, 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 the acumen at building. And, but, like, the way all of these things work together is ultimately at the core of apple's sort of mastery of this industry it's like but it's a double-edged sword it's a double-edged sword because yeah. this has been a tim cook thing i mean steve jobs is sort of laying the groundwork for that with icloud and the initial post pc devices as they called it but that's really been a thing this tim cook era has been pushing i don't mean to credit him specifically but it, it has been his company the last decade and change so you know we'll credit tim Cook's right. leadership to that um it has it's a double-edged sword because it necessitates Apple doing everything. Because if they miss one potential major consumer technology category, you break the ecosystem. Right. The example I like to give is, let's say Amazon comes out with um, an amazing AR headset. Apple doesn't have one, right? Everyone wants to buy this Amazon AR headset. Then they get exposed to other Amazon products, whether it's the Amazon tablets, the Amazon phone, if they bring that back, the right. earbuds, right? Right. It's all about ecosystem sort of dominance, right. right? It's like, you don't just want one product. You want to be inside of the entire thing. So the reliance by Apple on this idea where you're owning the whole ecosystem, if they miss one element of it, 
right? Even though the HomePod was a complete failure, that's why they had to do a HomePod and try a HomePod, right? Right. And so their bet is if the technology industry is going to push into headsets, they have to have one too, because if they miss on that, yeah. one crack in the ecosystem could cost them big time across their other products. But you see, you actually just raised an interesting point that, that I meant to bring up earlier and I wanted to talk about be before we ended. This is what's so interesting. Like, you're talking about the ecosystem. You're talking about Apple missing things. And I think that like one of the, the blind spots Apple has had in some ways historically has been things like the internet and search and these like large sort of like online projects that like look at maps, for instance, right? Like they've been, they've been playing for years, playing catch up to Google in all of these areas of just like, they're like, Hey, we just didn't see this. We didn't put any money into it. My understanding was, and I, I feel like this has been said before, Steve Jobs actually didn't like the internet. Um, he wasn't like a fan of being online. And like, so a lot of products were kind of built with like not online as a, as a component, but I'm looking now at the landscape and, and I'm looking at what is the emergent moment that is happening. And, 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 and listen, we're not done with any of this stuff yet. We're at the very early innings of a lot of this technology that we're starting to see. But if you look at what's happening with AI right now, for instance, right. in these large models, you know, whether it's mid journey or open AI, Obviously, you see Microsoft, you see Google now suddenly getting into this like huge race for dominance in computing that goes beyond the known space that I think we've been in, right? A type of computing that is about us interacting with the machine in a way that is naturalistic and responsive beyond anything I think we could have imagined even 10 years ago. And, and, and by the way, Siri is a good example of where Apple tried to get into this like assistant game. They obviously have a huge foothold there, but everybody knows that Siri is worse at everything than many of the other assistants, notably Google's assistant. Right. And so, so to me, like a bold, exciting Apple has got it figured out for the future or has sees a pathway forward would be something like Apple announces it has acquired open AI, right. Or Apple has built an AI that is, far more sophisticated, but also focused on privacy and respecting copyright and all this other stuff that people are worried about. And yet what I see is this is what's so odd to me about this, this headset is that it feels like the industry and the internet and its users are going in one direction over here to a different new thing that is, it's not, and I don't think it's just hype. I think part of it is like, there's something underpinning it that's very real. I agree. Whereas Apple's over here going into this Again, almost this like internal inside the box, not really about outside, not really about the internet, not in some ways even about uh, being able to be social. And it just feels like these two really divergent paths. And I, I mean, I just wonder, like, does that fit anywhere into this, like the AI stuff that's happening? And, and, and is there any, from your sense, anywhere at Apple where that's starting to be like a conversation? Because it feels like they're missing something right now, right? I've seen uh, a few people point this out where the industry's heading into AI and Apple's a week away from heading into XR, right? Two diverging paths. And that's certainly true. Uh, the way I look at it sort of off the cuff here, because I haven't given it much thought, the XR situation is a platform. AI is, in my opinion, more feature than platform. And I think AI is something right. that could play very heavily on XR. So I don't think it's two different paths. I think the two can go right. together. On the top of my head, I can't come up with the most interesting use cases for AI in XR, uh, but certainly Apple needs to get the ball rolling. I think these chat bots that you see, like the chat GPT stuff, yeah. 
this is weird, but I call it like raw AI. It's like a raw implementation of what artificial intelligence can do. Right. And I think what Apple does is they take these raw technologies and they apply them, right? It's like, if you look up the definition of technology, right, in Merriam-Webster, I believe the definition is applied sciences, right? I think mm. ChatGPT mm-hmm. is science. I think technology is right. applied science. And I think the ultimate way of showing AI's power is applying that. And so if Apple's able to take AI and apply it to real world use cases, right, to make things easier, to make things better, I think that's where AI can really shine. Right. I think Microsoft, from the little I've seen so far of what they've shown, these things like Copilot, these things that can assist you in day-to-day development of things, I think that's where AI can really shine. So I think Microsoft is doing a great job. Uh, the AI, AI stuff you're starting to see in Google Search and BARD and, and Bing and such, I think uh, that's happening there. I think we're a couple years away from Apple really showing some big news in AI. I'm not <laughs> anticipating. I know. Right. Uh, it's they, they had a five-year lead and another five years behind, right? And so... Well, that's the thing is like they're, it feels like they're always playing catch up in these areas that actually end up to be huge, huge, like massively important moments in computing. It's not to say, look, Apple's like the most valuable company in the world, right? Like you can't knock, you can't be like, well, they're bad at business or something. That's not it. <laughs> they're doing something right. They're doing something right. So like you have to be inclined to go like, well, maybe they've got a good idea with the headset. But yeah, it just feels like it's interesting because because when I was reading your writing on this and, and there's so much of it that's so good and I, I encourage everybody to, listen, to go and read it. But like, it just feels like a a weird, almost an artifact. And so I guess their challenge here will be, can they make something that feels like yesterday's sort of tech or yesterday's future feel like tomorrow's, you know? I think yes, because that future never took off, right? I mean, I think they really believe that it never took off. And, you know, based on the tech that's going to be in there, I really think it's going to blow the water off of of anything. I mean, it's an, ex, it's an extremely powerful, extremely advanced device. Uh, the bigger question to me is, do people really want that? And are people going to be sold on that? And I think that's something that's right. going to take time. I certainly could be sold on it, but you know, I haven't used it, right? I haven't played with these things for an extended period of time. So you claim, right? So I claim, so you claim, Mark. Um, I'm actually talking to you from one right now and it has this in feature. Right. Where You're it's totally not even invisible. there. That's fucking amazing. <laughs> I mean, how cool would it be if we were doing this in virtual reality where it felt like we were in the same living room together? Right. Well, would it be cool? That's a question. I think that I have done. That is a good question. I have done podcasts in virtual reality, and uh, it was. But this was like five, six, seven years ago. It was like shit. You know. Yeah. What would it be like? I guess we're going to find out in a few days. Mark, listen. I know you got to go. Thank you so much for doing this. Thanks for having me. It's this is a brilliant conversation. Super interesting. You got to come back. We're going to talk more about all of the unearthed secrets that you've uh, that you've gotten into because sure. it's it's fascinating stuff. Thank you. And if I can just give a shout out, anyone wants to read more, it's uh, Bloomberg.com slash power on or Twitter.com slash Mark Ehrman. And thanks, Josh. It was an honor to be on with you and looking forward to next time. Thanks for joining. Well, that is our show. Uh, I mean, there's several hundred more hours of conversation I would like to have with Mark, but uh, we all have things we've got to do. Anyhow, we will be back next week with more What Future, as you know. And as always, I wish you and your family the very best.
Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infinity QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview Great Falls offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity. If you're ready for an epic family vacation, there's no better place than sunny Orlando. Exciting thrills, never-ending food festivals, fresh new dining experiences, outdoor adventures, and Florida's natural springs, and so much more. Orlando has it all. And Visit Orlando's vacation planners can help you plan the perfect trip. In Orlando, anything is possible, if you can imagine it. And that's what makes Orlando unbelievably real. Plan your escape today and save at visitorlando.com.